Amen. You may be seated. Aren't you glad that you don't have to stand before God and answer for all your sins because they're under the blood of Jesus Christ? And the testimony of the blood that covereth us from all sin and all unrighteousness will be enough to allow us into that place called heaven because you'll see his son and the cleansing of the blood and not us. What a wonderful blessing. Let's take our Bibles tonight, turn to Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, and we're coming into the Lord's table. And uh, I think I'll just stay up here tonight, and, and uh, sometimes I like to speak from down there, and, and sometimes from up here. And so tonight, Mark chapter 14, we've been studying through the book of Mark, and so I'm going to jump ahead a chapter or two, and we're going to look at a, something that takes place during uh, the crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, I've been trying to just take one little thing each time this, this year, and we've looked at the blood, we've looked at the broken body, and we've looked at different things. And, and so tonight we're going to look at his betrayal, just his betrayal. We're just going to take a few minutes before we gather around the Lord's table. And the simple message tonight is called Betrayed. Mark doesn't have a lot to say about this topic, just a couple verses, but we'll read them together, and then we're going to look as we go through the message, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John also has something to say about it, uh, which is not always the case with the Synoptic Gospels, but tonight we'll touch on all four Gospels, and so if you'll follow along, we'll move along, uh, and, and we'll get through it all tonight. Mark chapter 14, look at verse 1 with me, after two days was the feast of the Passover, And of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. I often have kind of thought in my mind, why is it they even needed Judas? Judas, of course, was the one that took the money to betray the Lord Jesus Christ because there were many times they could have taken Jesus. Just a few days earlier, he had cleansed the temple. And the Bible says the day after he cleansed the temple, he, he taught publicly in the temple all day long, but it's because they feared the people. And we'll see in another one of the gospels that it says literally they feared the multitude. They were afraid of what they might do, so they needed to find a way to take him without, uh, and conspiring without an uproar among the people. Now jump down to verse 10. The Bible says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And as we think about this topic and this subject, the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you would help us to look deep into our own hearts and to remember those times where perhaps like Peter, we've denied him. But perhaps like Judas, we've even brought betrayal between, in our relationship between us and him. But Lord, I pray as we look at this tonight, our sole task around the Lord's table is to reflect upon the suffering of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And we've often talked about the crown of thorns and the the nails in his feet and his hands, the sore, the spear in his side, and the cat of nine tails that ripped upon the flesh of his back. And we think of all those things, and sometimes we forget how deeply hurt and sorrowful he might have been or must have been over this time of betrayal by one that he loved. And so, Lord, help us to reflect upon that tonight and speak to our hearts along the way. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Flip over to Luke chapter 22, and I'll give you a little bit more detailed picture of what is going on here. Luke chapter 22, if you'll look there, and we'll look at verse 1 together. Luke chapter 22, we'll read, and some of it will sound very similar. And it ought to sound similar, because it's the same story. But sometimes the disciples, because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, allowing them to allow their personality to come through, they, they gave us a couple other details that maybe somebody else did not write down. Sometimes they were writing to a different audience, and some things were pertinent to other audiences than they were to some. And so let's look tonight at Luke chapter 22 and see what it says. The Bible says, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. And there's your answer why they couldn't just take him in the marketplace or take him in the temple square, simply because they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas named Iscariot, or surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and commanded, communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. I want you to notice twice now we have read that the conspirators of this betrayal were glad. Isn't that a sad thing when we're talking about the very life of a man? That they would take his life and destroy it. And, and listen, I, I want you to understand something we talk about today that uh, some places in, in this world, there's still the death penalty for certain crimes. And, and I understand that we ought to uphold justice and the Bible allows for such penalty. But as a child of God, I struggle and I feel sorrow for that person. Because I realize they're likely going off to a Christless eternity. I don't think God's people ever clamor for death. We shouldn't desire it or enjoy it. I remember when I was in Bible college, there was a, a documentary or document series that came out, and it was called The Faces of Death. And it was just people caught on camera as they were dying, whether it was a car accident and a red light camera caught their face, or whether they were trapped in some machinery and somebody filmed it somehow. And that was a very popular thing, and, I, and I, all I could think of was how horrible, how horrible that we would relish in the things of death. By the way, death is the enemy, the Bible says. Satan is a murderer. The wages of sin is death. It ought not be something we relish or clamor for, but yet these conspirators of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were happy, both Judas the scribes and the priests, that they could speak of his death and his betrayal. Notice, if you will, as we continue to read in verse four, and he went his way and communed to the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them, and they were glad and covenanted to give him money, and he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude." I want you to notice, first of all, tonight, and I've already talked about it a little bit, the conspiracy to betray. The conspiracy to betray. The first group that we find in this is, first of all, a sacred foe. And I don't think it's a surprise to any of us tonight to notice that it was the religious group that betrayed him. The chief priests and the Pharisees came together and others that were leaders in the temple. And imagine, if you will, if in the, in, you put yourselves in the shoes of Jesus Christ, a people that you loved and redeemed out of Egypt simply because they were your people. And of them you formed a great nation called Israel because they were your chosen ones, the apple of your eye. 
Those ones that you supplied for and nurtured and cared for and you called them to the mount of God and you gave them your laws and you wrote your standards of worship upon their heart only to have them conspire to kill you. That's what's going on here, isn't it? These Jewish chief priests and scribes and these ones that knew the word of God, they could not recognize that this was the Messiah. There were some, of course, like Nicodemus that knew he was a man sent from God and there was others that would come alongside him and, um, and, and desire to, to, to love him and to cherish him and to, to be saved by him, but so many others conspired against him. And so we see a sacred foe. We see these chief priests and these scribes, but we also see a satanic foe. The Bible says in verse three, then entered Satan into Judas. How many of you are not surprised to find that Satan is behind all this mess? You know, the Bible is very plain, and let me remind you once again, like I did this morning, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Every battle and struggle we have, and I'll, I'll admit, sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. How about you? And sometimes we struggle with people and relationships and all those things. But how many of you also know that's the result of this fall? That's the result of sin in our lives. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The real enemy is Satan. I had to remind myself that time and time again when facing off against a teenager. A young person in my home, one of my kids that that was just kind of pushing back and angry about something and wanting to exert their own will and and saying, well, dad, other 17-year-olds do this and other 16-year-olds get to do this and and they they just want to push their will. And My wife and I have to remind ourselves all the time, we're not at war with them, we're at war with the devil. And the flesh is prone to give in to Satan so often. And so we see that in this conspiracy, it's a conspiracy of foes. First of all, we see a sacred foe, then we see a satanic foe. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 21, another one of these passages that we're talking about tonight. Matthew chapter 21, and I want you to read with me starting in verse 33. The Bible says here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent another servants more than the first and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and they cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen which shall render him the fruits of their seasons. Jesus said unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. When the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spoke, spake of them. 
But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. We see a sacred foe and a satanic foe as the Lord Jesus Christ brings forth a parable. And he reminds them of a day that is coming that the Son of God has come and they will crucify him and kill him. Oh, but the husbandman or the, the, the master of the vineyard will come and vengeance will be his. I want you to see as we consider this conspiracy to betray, we don't just see a conspiracy of foes, we see a conspiracy of friends. That's what saddens me tonight. If you'll look at Matthew chapter 26, just forward a couple pages from where you are. The Bible says in our text tonight in Luke chapter 22 and verse 3 that Satan entered into Judas. And look what it says in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 48. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master. And he kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Don't miss this tonight. The pain and the suffering of the cross and the crown of thorns and the, the beatings that he took as he fell on the path to Calvary, the trauma that would eventually take his life is one form of the suffering that we remember at the Lord's table, but don't you ever forget as he looked Judas in the eye and called him friend. Friend, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? It must have hurt Judas as well. Must have pierced him to his very soul that just hours before Judas would die and go to a crisis eternity. He said, you believe Judas went to hell? Jesus called him the son of perdition. The son of perdition. I believe he was a devil from the beginning, the Bible says. He was lost. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ loved him enough to call him friend. This plot was not a burden for the Bible says they were glad and they were glad to promise to turn him over. They sought how they might betray him. But I want you to see secondly tonight the consciousness of betrayal. Not just the conspirators, but the consciousness. This is what amazes me. Jesus was full aware of what was going on. He knew all along. He, he understood what was going on behind the scenes. And, and by the way, betrayal didn't have to happen. Look, if you will, in John chapter 13. Turn there, if you will. John chapter 13. Look at verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked on one another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was a leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Do you see the picture there? John is sitting right beside the Lord Jesus Christ and even leaning upon his breast at times. And Peter's over there going, ask him, ask him, come on. Ask him, who's he talking about? Kind of like our kids, isn't it? You ask him, you ask him. Peter's afraid to come right out and ask him, so he says, John, 
Verse 25, he then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus said unto him, buy those things that we need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Notice tonight, as we consider the consciousness of betrayal, we see Christ's awareness. He knew this was going to happen. By the way, he wasn't just man, he was God. And as we see him after his baptism, the Bible says, of course, he went into the wilderness and he was led of the spirit into the wilderness and there he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. But the Bible says when he left the desert, he returned in the power of the spirit of God. And from that moment on, we see miracles and we see God's uh, supernatural knowledge within his heart and life and he could see to the heart of the matter each and every time and he knew that Judas would betray him. In John chapter 17, we read the high priestly prayer of Christ, and he says this, he says, I have kept all of them that you have given me from the beginning, save the son of perdition who was a devil from the beginning. He knew who Satan was, or he knew who Judas was, and that he was controlled by Satan. And so the Lord Jesus Christ had awareness, isn't it something, that he would still allow him to travel, that he'd still hold out hope that maybe he might be saved. Aren't you glad the Lord Jesus Christ never gave up on you? The Bible says this, for such were some of you. I don't know that we would ever say that we could number ourselves with Judas. Oh, but maybe we've done worse. And yet the Lord never gave up on him. Here he is at the most monumental night of history, the night before the crucifixion, dining with the Savior. The Lord loved him. And he was fully aware. We see Christ's awareness, but we also see through this Christ's acceptance In verse 27, he says, that thou doest, do quickly. He allowed it to take place. We see it's a demonstration of his commitment. There was no wavering from his commitment. He just decided that he was time, it was hour had come, and he would go to the cross of Calvary, even though he knew the plot against him. It was a demonstration of his compassion Jesus saith unto him, friend, as I mentioned a few moments ago, just hours before Judas would go off into a crisis eternity, Christ would still call him friend and still love him. I wonder sometimes how we treat others who come to us. Just this morning, we had somebody come to the church, and they've been coming for a little while that they're helping some of our special people. They're a worker from outside the church, and they, they bring some of our special people into services. And we have several that come, and they have their Sunday school class with Mrs. Fett and others, and, and then they go home. And uh, they, they're, they're, they just would struggle to sit in a service for that long. But then there's a few that come in. You know Ron Steeper. Ron loves church. And uh, puts us to shame sometimes, by the way. You know, I, I mean, he's the one shouting amen, even when the choir stinks, amen. And, and he just loves church. He's got the right heart's attitude. But there was one of those workers that came to me this morning. She says, you know, Pastor, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. She says, listen, she says, some of our workers, they're pretty rough characters. She says, some of them got some real messed up lives. 
She said, would it be okay if they come to church when they bring people in? Is that okay? I said, amen, absolutely. And I, I was just talking to somebody before the service who ran into this, was sitting with that lady, and, and she told him the same thing. We'll love them. We'll just love them. We'll show them the love of Christ. And I was so thankful that that member said that to them because that's what we ought to do. And Christ demonstrates his compassion, doesn't he? Right to the very last. Listen, by the, by the way, it was after the Last Supper that Judas came to him in the garden. He said, friend, it was after that Satan had already entered into his heart. It was after Jesus put the sop before him. It was after Jesus said, that thou doest, doest quickly. And just a short time later, Judas would come and kiss him. He said, friend, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? Incredible compassion. The Lord Jesus Christ, with full knowledge of what is going on, would love Judas right to the end. But then I want you to see the consequences of betrayal. The consequences of betrayal. Turn back, if you would, to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Look, if you will, at verse 21. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And notice this. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. The Lord says, I would have gone to the cross anyway. I didn't have to be betrayed. Now we understand that a lot of things happened did to fulfill prophecy. But the Lord says, I am fully submitted to the Father's will. How many, how many times have we seen Jesus just walk through a crowd and escape? If you want to arrest Jesus, it's only because he wants to be arrested. I just, that just stood out to me. You didn't have to do this, Judas. I would have went anyway. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But look at the next phrase. But woe unto that man by whom is betrayed. Woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. Look at the consequences of betrayal. First of all, we see the consequences of sorrow. That word woe is an expression of grief and denunciation. We read in the scriptures, woe, woe, woe. We read in Isaiah over and over again. Woe is me for I am undone, Isaiah would say. It's an expression of denunciation, but it's also an expression of grief. I am broken because I'm undone. I'm broken because of this negative thing that has happened and I'm not pleased with my behavior and I'm not pleased about with what is about to happen. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, we are reminded that uh, one woe has come to pass and another is coming and so God's judgment was a woe. God doesn't want to judge the earth. He has to because he's holy and righteous and just. But it's a woeful time. It's hard on his heart, and it's, there's a great sorrow that follows. And, and so the Lord Jesus Christ pronounces woe upon Judas, but he's saying, I, I rebuke you, and I denounce you, and I, I'm not pleased with your behavior, but oh, how it breaks my heart. Have you ever felt like that? I want you to just think about tonight the sorrow of this betrayal. Of all the things. Have you ever said anything like this? 
somebody has hurt you or wronged you. And you say, I, I, I would have rather you just spit in my face than done that. I'd rather you just shot me dead than done that. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever said that? I've heard people say that. I, I just, I just rather, pastor, I was just gutted. They, they, they just said this thing. They, they stole from me. All they had to do was ask. They just, they came and they took it and, and I, I'd rather they just spit in my face. I'd rather they just killed me dead than they'd hurt me like that. They betrayed me like that. There's a great sorrow in betrayal. Jesus says, whoa, whoa. I want you to notice not just that. The sorrow wasn't just Christ. And though we want to focus on the Lord tonight, let me show you three sorrows. First, we see the sorrow of Christ, the, the very use of his word betrayal. Both at the Last Supper and again in the garden, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss. Those are harsh words, aren't they? Brother Roberts, if I were to come to you and say, you betrayed me, that would, that would be something that would be difficult. I, I mean, we're, we're not saying, we're not saying brother, brother Roberts, you forgot to bring me a coffee this morning. I mean, that's just something simple and silly. But if I say you betrayed me, that's quite an accusation. As the Lord was hurt by his use of this word betrayal, Judas probably thought some ulterior motive and somehow in his heart justified what he was doing. I don't know. But the Lord says you betrayed me. Jesus records this thought about Jesus. When Jesus had thus said, listen to what he says at the Last Supper, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I send you that one of you shall betray me. Think about this. The Lord is sitting at the Last Supper and he's troubled in spirit. And you say, oh, I, I guess I would be too. Knowing that in just a few hours I will be taken into custody I will spend my night in the basement of Caiaphas' house and I'll be brought out early in the morning and stand before Pilate and Herod and I'll be beaten and I'll be crucified and die a sinner's death. You say, I'd be troubled too. That's not what he was troubled about. He says, the hand of him is on the table who will betray me. A friend who would spit in his face there's the consequences of sorrow. Not just for the Savior, but also the disciples. They begin to ask, Lord, is it I? Please say it's not me. Lord, what have I done? Have I, have I said something that has given away where we are tonight that the soldiers might find us? Uh, have, have I left a trail of crumbs that they could follow me here? Have, have I done something to betray? Lord, is it I? You see, no man is an island. And when we sin against the holy God, we hurt others as well. So we see the hurt of the disciples. But by the way, Judas was hurt too. You might say, I don't care. <laughs> Judas, uh, no, nobody's naming their child Judas, are they? That's just not a name. I mean, we, we look at the baby book of names. We bought one of those. We were, when we were first expecting our first child, there was a book at the checkout store, baby names. We grabbed that thing. It was like 99 cents. Food basics, I remember in Hamilton. And we started going through those names. We never found Judas. We never found Jezebel. We never found Ichabod. I mean, there's just names you don't name your kids, right? Nobody wants that name. That, that's a scarlet letter upon your life. And you say, I don't really care about Judas, but Judas was hurt. 
by his own betrayal. The Bible says he repented himself and said, I have sinned and that I betrayed the innocent blood. I'm so glad he repented and he died with a broken heart. There's a great consequence in betrayal. But then we also see the consequence of not just sorrow, the consequence of sin. Let me turn to one more scripture, Matthew chapter 27, once again. Matthew chapter 27. Men, if you'll prepare for in a moment, we'll come to the Lord's table. Matthew chapter 27, look at verse five. Well, let's look at verse one. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. Jesus has been betrayed and he's now standing counsel. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and he departed and went and hanged himself. The consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it has its end, is death. Nobody knows that better than Judas. He sinned against the innocent blood and he paid the price with his life. Betrayal has a high cost. But if I can bring your minds back to this one thought just for a second longer, I want you to think tonight as we come to the Lord's table, yes, we will think about his shed blood and we'll think about his broken body. But if we could just focus on this thought, the pain and the sorrow that Christ felt when betrayed by a friend. Heavenly Father, help us tonight as we come to your table Lord, as we just seek to examine something a little different each time and consider those things that you have done for us, Lord, and some of these things that we look at, the physical suffering and pain are so great and terrible that we would have to turn our face away if we could see it in person. But Lord, we also sometimes forget about how this one that you walked with and invested in and loved and taught and witnessed miracles and even went out with the disciples and preached the gospel, Lord, a friend would pierce your very heart with just his words of betrayal. Oh God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight and examine our lives in the light of what you've done for us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen.